1: God wants to raise up an army of believers whose prayer shakes the nation and the nations of the world. God wants you to shake the evil out of its dwelling place in your family, in your workplace, in the nation. Prayers Heard in Heaven is a teaching ministry, teaching God's people to pass blessings with prayer. In the fifth chapter of James, the Bible tells us to pray for one another, that we may be healed, and that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much." The following program, Prayers Heard in Heaven, with speaker and teacher Valerie Sneed, will help you learn to pray fervently and effectively and truly see results in prayer. Valerie Sneed with Prayers Heard in Heaven starts now.
2: The title of today's message is, My Passion. Because by the end of this message, Jesus' passion will be yours. If we serve God with our whole heart, we would be awed at the things that God would do for us and for the people for whom we are praying. If we would just go after him with our whole heart, and that's what God wants in these last days. He's shaking the nation and the nations of the world. We are running in every direction in our hearts and even in our minds. And we're not focused completely on him the way he needs us to be. And when we don't focus on God then the evil, the way of the world can creep into our minds. Now, today I'm talking about the passion. I want to show you how to get miraculous results in prayer. I want to show you this because you're going to need it. Because Ephesians 6.13 says what well, it actually talks about. The day of evil, it says this, therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And having done everything to stand, what is the day of evil? Some people talk about the day of evil. Maybe one day the United States will be invaded or maybe one day this will happen or that'll happen. Or we'll see war like other countries see war. That's the day of evil. There are so many theories of what the day of evil is. And I understand that, you know, those points could be a day of evil, but it's really talking about when trouble walks right into our very own life. That's the day of evil for each of us. When trouble walks into the life of people who you love, that's the day of evil. That's the day that he truly wants you to be able to call on him and get great answers. You know, my son walked into a major meeting just a couple of days ago. Yeah, he has these big meetings, but every time he has a meeting, he says, this one is really, really a big one, right? So he called me and he said, mother, he said, I'm going into this meeting and I need you to pray. He said, I was supposed to handle a particular situation and I wasn't given all of the instructions. So I handled it, but I'm not sure it was handled the way the company wanted it handled, Because they didn't give me, you know, the information that I needed, the inside story, if you will. He said, so this is really important. I need you. You know, cover me in prayer, Mother. I'm going in there in just a few minutes. I'm about to walk in. I said, okay, I got you. I got you. No problem. No problem. I'm calling on God about this. I called on God in a mighty way because I knew I could hear in his voice how very important this was. And I didn't want him to fail. Well, I want to tell you what he called me back. And at the end of the meeting, he said, this was the most phenomenal meeting I have ever had with his company. Everything went perfect. And it was so amazing. He could not believe it. And I, I was just thanking God, just thanking God and waiting to get home that evening to hear the details. We want to know how to pray and have the spirit of the Lord go before the person who you are praying for. We want to know how to pray. And in instances, sometimes we need an instantaneous answer to the prayer. I've had a number of times when I was younger and every once in a while, you know, I still do it now today, but I would pray and I wouldn't be seeing immediate result. And maybe I was praying for someone who I didn't necessarily know, but I was requested to pray, and so I'm crying out to God with my whole heart. Maybe it's a child that has a need or a person that's in a situation that's really desperate. And so I would be calling out to God and just desperate and praying, and I didn't see results right then. And I would get frustrated. You know, I do that sometimes, still today, not as often, but I get frustrated. And I would just say, Why aren't you answering me? Lord, why aren't you answering me? I'm fasting, I'm praying. I'm reading scriptures, and I've done everything that I could do. Why won't you answer me? Why won't you answer? Why are you doing this? Do you know what I need you to do? And I want to tell you, this is exactly what he'd say. He'd say, I hear you. I hear you. That's what he says when I act like that. Because sometimes I'm kind of like a spoiled kid with prayer. When I really want something and I want God to do something, I sometimes I kind of get upset about it because he's not doing it the way I want him to do it. I I don't see a response. And he will just say, I hear you. I hear you. I usually forget that he'll respond that way because I'll get so upset and kind of stressed with the situation, which I shouldn't do, but I'm really wanting him to do something for someone. And I'm telling you, honestly, that's how I, I feel about it. I need you to do this, Lord. And when he says that, I hear you. Then I feel like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I kind of knew you were going to do something about it. But in my mind, actually, I was kind of wondering about him, you know, about the situation, if he was going to handle it. But that's what he says to me. I hear you. I hear you. You know? He usually says it twice because I'm that persistent kid. And he knows that if he doesn't answer, I'm going to keep on bugging him about that situation. So he'll just say it twice to me. I think he knows that if I say it twice, that that's the only thing that'll shut her down and give me a break on this thing. It's just so amazing the relationship that I have with him. It, it, he's just an awesome, awesome father. Praise him. So it's awesome when we look at the passion of Christ. When we go to that place in the Bible, and I want to highlight that just for a moment for you today, because the Passover is so vitally important. Today, we're talking about part of the passion of Christ. But by the time this lesson is over, you'll be calling it your passion. You'll say my passion after this. Remember when Jesus celebrated the Passover with the disciples? And I'm talking about Mark 14, to 26. It was an event that had such sentiment. It was an event. This scene at that time, it changed all of eternity. If we can just step into that scene and receive revelation from what took place, we will never be the same. So many times we run past the crucifix experience and we run right on to Pentecost. Pentecost is very important. And so is the ascension. However, if we never receive the crucifix experience, then we miss miraculous events that could possibly spring forth from our prayer life by having that experience. Once we have the experience of the crucifix, then we can go on to Pentecost and the ascension. This year, God wants you to have a crucifix experience, and you will never be the same. Your prayer life will ascend to another level. Watch this, and it's going to change your life. There Jesus is with the disciples. You remember the atmosphere? It had to be charged with emotion for the Passover. This meal, watch what takes place. The Bible says this in Luke 22, 15 to 16. When the hour had come, Jesus reclined at the table with his apostles and he said this to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before my suffering. For I tell you that I will not eat again until it's finished, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Luke twenty-two fifteen to 16. Wait a minute. He just said, this is my last meal on earth before I suffer. What were the disciples thinking at that moment? He said, this is my last meal before I suffer. I'm telling you, they had to sit up. He had to have their attention at that time. He knows what's about to come. Unlike what some may have said. Well, Jesus didn't really know what was going to. Yes, he knew what was coming. He said, this is my last meal before I suffer. He knew what was coming. He may not have known every detail. But he knew what was coming. John 13 says this. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was to come, that he should depart out of this world unto the father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them until the end. Jesus knows what's about to take place. This wasn't the first Passover. Jesus had celebrated the Passover with his disciples before this. But this night, the Passover meal was more significant than anything ever before that they had experienced with him because something was about to happen. Please don't miss this. Jesus was making provisions to step into the fulfillment of the Father's plan to open the door to heaven so that millions and billions of souls would come into the kingdom. In the final hour with his disciples, Jesus wanted them to have an experience that would take them to the next level of revelation, revelation that would give them the strength to go through the experience that they were about to have in the days that were ahead of them. That's what he wanted to give them. John 13, three to five, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God watch closely his next steps. Indulge me for just a moment. I'm going to paraphrase. He rises from supper and lays aside his garments, taking a towel and wrapped it around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the feet of the disciples. And then he took the towel that was girded around his waist, washing their feet. He gave them an example of what it meant to be a servant. He even washed the feet of Judas, the man that would betray him, leading eventually to his suffering and his death. He washed his feet of the betrayer. This is an awesome moment. This is the time for Jesus with the men that he taught and he loved. This time is sacred and it's holy. The atmosphere is charged with emotion. It had to be. It's about the time that he must depart, not only from them, but from the world. He knows that they're going to be heartbroken, but he rises to serve them. He teaches them humility and how to be a servant. I'm talking about my passion today, that after today is going to be your passion. Oh, so many of us, We don't want to serve. We would rather not even say hello to the person who doesn't want to speak to us. But they're not speaking to me, so I'm not speaking to them. May I pose a question? How many people in this lifetime have you said to them, I've come to serve you? Maybe we only hear that at a restaurant these days. How many people have you shown I am here to serve you? Maybe we only show it to the pastor. Maybe we only show it to the priest. Maybe we only show it to the bishop. But I tell you, there is something more that Jesus showed them at the Passover. He showed them the life of a servant. He showed them after walking and teaching them, after them calling him master and Lord, he showed them, I'm your servant. God wants us to get an attitude of servitude in this lifetime. That's the attitude that we must have to go to the next level in prayer. That's the attitude that we must have to ascend to a new level with Christ. Then no longer will our life be all about me, 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 me. me. We will no longer be singing that song. We'll be saying, I've come to serve you. Can we say that? Can we walk in the steps that Jesus walked? Can we say to our fellow man, what do you need for me to do? What can I do to help you? How can I help you accomplish this? Because I've come to serve you. Now, when we begin to live like that, we take an humble position. For many of us, that's not easy. I want to say that it wasn't a lesson that most of us have been taught. But if we take that position and we take the position that Jesus took, how can we love the father if we don't love our brothers and our sisters? The only way we can truly serve God is by serving our fellow man. I want to tell you something about a little boy. His name was Tarek, and it's been a few years ago. And it was a Thanksgiving holiday weekend, and he and his grandmother were coming to Houston from Louisiana, and they were hit by an 18-wheeler. And when the car—he was nine years old—when the car was hit by an 18-wheeler, it threw his body through the windshield out of the car in the oncoming traffic. And his car landed on top of his body, and that's what covered— his body from oncoming traffic running over his body. I'll never forget it. It was so amazing what God did. That was the first miracle in this case. Well, this little boy ended up at Texas Children's Hospital, all broken up. And I got a call to go to the hospital, and I'm going to make a long story short. We fasted and we prayed. And Joan and I went to this family in the hospital. We fasted and we prayed. This went on for days. He lay there in a coma. And so I got to the point where I just said, I'm not going to eat, Lord, until he comes out of this. So I'm fasting and I'm praying and days are going by. Well, finally, on Christmas Eve, he opened his eyes and he called his mother's name. But before that, as these days are going on, I just went on some water towards the end of that. And I remember I was standing in the kitchen and the Holy Spirit said, take a piece of bread. And I said, no, Lord. I can't do that. The Holy Spirit said, take a piece of bread. I said, no, Lord, I can't do that. I can't eat until he comes out of a coma. And the Holy Spirit said it a third time. He said, take a piece of bread. I will never forget. When I reached for that piece of bread, and just as it got to my mouth, my head almost crashed onto the counter in the kitchen. I almost lost my life, you see, because it's like I was saying to God, I'm not going to do this. I'm just I'm going to do it this way. And God will say, no, I'm going to do this my way. You're not going to tell me how to do this and when to bring him out. You'll die like that. I'm going to do this my way. Oh, my goodness. I took that piece of bread. And obviously, I lived, praise God, and I learned a lesson that day about trying to push the hands of God. Our life is intricately woven, and we have to give God that opportunity and believe. I learned to believe that as I'm praying, that there will be a manifestation of the prayers. I've learned it through my trials. I've learned it through him saying, I hear you. I hear you. Even when I didn't see manifestation of the prayers. I learned that he hears me by him telling me that he hears me. Well, that little boy came out of a coma and it was so amazing. It was written up in the newspaper and we have those newspaper articles. It was phenomenal what God did. It is incredible what God will do when we live a life. To serve him. I'm not telling anybody to go on bread and water and refuse to eat because that definitely was not the right answer at that time. But what I am saying is that we have to live a life to serve him. Now I'm back to Jesus at that Passover. It's an incredible moment of Jesus with his disciples. Everything is about to change and never be the same. The earth will never be the same. The heavens will never be the same. When we step into this experience, and take the account of the moment it's awestruck. The power that was in the atmosphere, the presence that had to be in the room, the emotions that were flowing that charged the atmosphere from on high. It was incredible what was taking place in that room over those few hours. And then Jesus has that crucifix experience. Well, what I want to explain today Is that if we never step into the crucifix experience, then we missed true revelation and power in prayer. We have to understand the experience that Jesus had. And the only way to do that is to come alongside the master teacher. The only way to do that, to have a crucifix experience, is to cry out to God and say, Lord, I need to experience this. I need to step into this. I need a crucifix experience. I need a last supper experience. I need to go there to the Passover. I need to partake of the last supper. Lord, I must go there. The Holy Spirit will take you there. That's how we have to cry out to God. That's what will take us to that place. I want to have that experience That the disciples had. When you cry out to God like that. You see. My mentor taught me about prayer. But what she could not teach me. Was how to have that experience. She could not teach me. She could not give me revelation of prayer. Only the Holy Spirit. Could reveal true prayer to me. The only way. To master prayer is to come alongside the great master, is to align ourselves with the great teacher, to have profound experiences in prayer. Are you with me today? Ask the Holy Spirit for the experience of the Garden of Gethsemane when you read it, before you read it. We must align ourselves with the master teacher who teaches prayer. My mentor taught me prayer, but the Holy Spirit Gave me the experience and gave me the instructions in prayer. It was as though she was telling me about prayer, but I had to align myself with the Holy Spirit. And when I did, there was a shift in my prayer life because she could tell me how to pray, but she could not align me with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I hope you're getting a hold of what I'm saying today. You must walk with the great intercessor. Through the Garden of Gethsemane, you must walk to the cross with the great intercessor. You must experience this or you will never have great results in prayer. I'm telling you today how to get where you want to go through prayer. No one told me the inside of how to pray. I had to attain that knowledge from the Holy Spirit. I want to make a shortcut for you today because it took me years to gain this type of knowledge. But the God that we serve, he is the same yesterday, today and forever. And anyone who will devote their life to him and give him priority, then he will do the great works through you. And I believe that today you're listening to this message because you're on your way to greater works than God has been doing through your prayer. I'm telling you today that God wants you to step into a new dimension. Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Communion is meant to be a spiritual experience that takes us to another level, washes away our sin, but it takes us to a place where we are to constantly be renewed and the spirit of our mind. Jesus wanted communion to continue throughout the ages that we would remember him and remember his love. But remember him as a servant, a master teacher to partake of his experience. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Every time we break the bread and drink the wine, we are actually partaking of his life. The experience in the garden, the time in prison, the walk to Calvary, his crucifixion, his raising from the dead, the ascension, you are partaking of his life. Request of the Holy Spirit for the experience and you will never be the same. Make this Passover between you and the Master. Walk alongside Him to the garden. Walk alongside Him to prison. Walk alongside Him to the crucifix. Walk alongside the Holy Spirit to the tomb and to the ascension, and you will never be the same. I'm Valerie Sneed with Prayers Heard in Heaven,
1: teaching God's people to pray. You've been listening to Valerie Sneed with Prayers Heard in Heaven. If you missed any of the program, listen next Sunday evening at 5.30. For more information about their weekly live prayer call, visit their website at prayersheardinheaven.org.